Good morning and welcome to the Broke and Shovel podcast, homesteading for a sustainable future. My name is Lucas and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, Eric. And today we're going to be talking about CFLs and DDT. Oh, it's actually uh, it's CFCs. I, I Sorry, CFCs. CFL yes. is a is the Canadian Flora, Flora Football Cop. League, or yeah. there's, a, like, there's, there's a lot of things that actually use the CFL uh, in their uh, their their acronym, but it's actually a yeah, CFCs. Yes, I apologize. We were both just talking about how busy we are today, and uh, I guess I'm, I was rushing through my note taking this morning. Um, so yeah, so we we're going to talk about CFCs and their history. Uh, and their legacy, as well as DDT and its history and ongoing legacy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, date of release for this is December the 12th, 2023. I got that right. And uh, all of our information is current to that date, uh, unless there's a massive scientific breakthrough tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, you want to get us started, Eric? Uh, yeah, on, so, on CFCs? Yeah, yeah CFCs. They are... Uh, they are chlorofluorocarbons which ha Jess I got that one right <laughs> Sorry, um, yes. one of our one of our favorite listener uh, complained that I I struggled to pronounce big words and it's, it's yes yes I do <laughs> well you know uh, just quick side note I did make a joke uh, behind your back the other day to Meg where we weren't sure how to pronounce a word and I was like well, we'll just ask Eric to do it, and then we'll just do the opposite. Yes. <laughs> so. it's, like, it's like the on Reddit. Like, if you want advice, real good advice on Reddit, ask the question, and then create an anonymous account and, and give the complete wrong answer of, like, what not to do. And somebody will absolutely chime in and then, ch- then correct you and give you the correct information. Right, and never, ever make fun of somebody who mispronounces a word, unless they're already your friend, uh, because they likely learned it from reading it. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, and that is uh, to be applauded. Anyway, yes, CFCs. Chlorofluorocarbons, I actually, I had to learn in my Navy training, because I was HVAC plumbing there. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I got the term correctly pronounced for me lots and lots. So <laughs> I know this one well. Good. All right. Yeah, so uh, chlorofluorocarbons are, uh, is a chemical compound that contains carbon, hydrogen, chlorine, and fluorine. Um, primarily was used in uh, refrigerants and uh, propellants and in processes like lubricants and others and propellants it was used in like everyone's the common thing of like the hairspray but Mm -hmm. also there was a lot of uh like your fire extinguishers use it and then the but the big one was the refrigerant which like was everywhere yes so and then uh in the 70s uh, a number of scientists started noticing that CFCs were reaching the stratosphere and then UV light was breaking them down and separating out the uh, the chlorine molecule. And then the chlorine molecule in such high concentration uh, damages the, the fragile makeup of the ozone chemical composition. 
causing thinning and eventual like well not we ended up recovering it but uh, it thinned the the ozone atmosphere in the stratosphere so much that it was actually noticeable to uh, NASA satellites and other uh, other scientific research methods. And this is where we get our famous uh, hole in the ozone. Yes, which primarily was over the the Arctic. Um, two scientists from the uh, University of California of Irvine. Uh, Frank Rowland and uh, Mario Malona uh, found that they, hey, they, they were the first ones to raise the kind of red flag of like, hey, something's going on here. Um, by 74, they were testifying in front of Congress, uh, in which actually Congress almost immediately approved funding to study this and research this more. Um, of course, uh the, the uh, companies like DuPont at the time, which which heavily used CFCs, uh, still and still to this day testifies that oh the research isn't that great. We shouldn't have to not use CFCs. CFCs are okay. We we wouldn't use bad chemicals if it was if it was hazardous. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, of yeah. course this corporation <laughs> is going to say that, no, 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 these aren't really that bad. We we promise we wouldn't use unsafe chemicals that couldn't be properly disposed of. And 1974, I'd like to point out, is immediately after uh, uh, Nixon was uh, pretty much kicked out of office and the gov there was a lot of lights shining on the government uh, when Gerald Ford took over. Uh, and, uh, you know, despite his party, uh, it, it was it kind of behooved everybody to behave and yes. do good things, uh, lest there be more uh, stains on the government. Yeah. So and it was the, it wasn't until 85. that So in 85, they finally officially were like. No, all the thinning has caused like what we would call refer to as the hole over Antarctica forming, and it was uh, NASA satellites were able to like actually like, physically like, hey, on this this what I can't remember which which uh, spectrum they used, but they're like, hey, under this spectrum, like look at this like big big glaring hole in this atmospheric uh, layering. And at that point, the um, the it was, they were more widely acknowledges knowledge, but from 18 months from the it being discovered in '85, uh, the international agreements were signed in the Montreal po Protocols, which was originally signed by 20 nations to curb the use. Um, now, uh, 197 countries. Uh, have signed the the Montreal Protocols, um, which originally had to phase out the use of CFCs by 2020, and then fa also phasing out the use of HCFCs, which are halon chlor chlorofluorocarbons, um, that by 2030. Wow. It, this really is, and, and we went into this uh, planning because this is a, a success story. Yes, More. well, mostly a success story. Uh, we had we they by twenty twenty one, they had three consecutive years where we did not see uh, any additional thinning 
of the ozone layer. It had basically it had stabilized, but by 2003, it started growing again. Yeah. And they, okay. they uh, at the time in 2003, they pointed to uh, widespread use in the uh, East Asia is where they were pointing the finger at the time, and now they're outright saying China is de- is is putting out so many so much chlorofluorocarbides that they are de- they are reversing all the work the rest of the world has done. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I, coming up in the new year, we'll be talking a little bit more about China uh, and India. Uh, and the sort of global scale of of these things, thanks to uh, yes, uh, uh, our favorite are... listener and critic pointing a yes. finger at us. Yes, because it's. <laughs> it, I mean, it, I mean, they, they, it, it's a good point. Is that the the there is a lot of that everyone else is doing the right thing. The EU, the America, Canada, South, the global the global South, and China is just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh. But yeah, so um we they, I mean we did do a lot a lot of good work. It was the uh they were very much the use is decreased in uh most of the developed world. Um DuPont still is fighting it and arguing that it, they, that they are safe that the science there isn't enough scientific evidence of the the harm it is doing. Huh. But there is uh, so far, nobody's actually reversing course in like going and and un leaving the Montreal Protocol. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's the global, you know, to have it, it's amazing how just one area can have such a such an impact. Um, and now, and you weren't really quite old enough when this transition happened away from CFCs. Were nope, you? I was post transition, po- a post. <laughs> transition america yeah i remember it like i was i was fairly young uh but uh, yeah i distinctly remember products in stores changing uh i remember like the hairspray that was used in my house became a pump bottle that you had to pump because people were moving so quickly and they didn't have as many alternatives but they had to keep product on the shelves i guess and i remember pump hairspray (laughs) <laughs> which really just cracked me up, uh, cracks me up now. I, at the time, I was just like, I don't understand. But I remember it being in the news. I remember this being just such a massive, massive move uh, across the globe. It was really very cool. And, you know, to have um, a global movement stick out in your memory like that, that's that's largely positive, uh, is kind of uh, rare <laughs> to see the world come together and, and there not be a, a war behind it. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. It's it, it's a good successful story, and hopefully the world will push back and get China back into uh, compliance. Yeah. But, it's yeah. It's it's kind of a lawless world over there. They don't. They do what they want. They do. Yeah. Uh, exactly. They have they have three billion people. They 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 both can and do whatever they want because they have the weight. <sighs> To do it, and this is—I mean, we should—we'll talk about it more when the new year on the, the uh, further episodes. Because I also want to do do some stuff on the uh, global, the, the, uh, talking about the global South, China, uh, their growing influence, and them trying to uh, 
dethrone the American hegemony. Okay. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. And I'm excited to talk about what, what what's coming up. Uh, 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 are you all done on CFCs? You have yep, any I'm other uh, tidbits there? Yeah, we're good. We are good. They have uh, they're been they're mostly phased out. That but China is not playing ball. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we'll I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, so I will be talking about DDT, uh, otherwise known. And I thought I felt like you did this one to me on purpose, so I practiced a bit because uh, <laughs> I got the hard one. Uh, dichloral diphenyl trichlorothane, uh, DDT. Uh, it's a synthetic insecticide. Um, it has a very complex and controversial history as well, um, and so it's and it's triumph and tragedy. Uh, it's this double-edged sword over and over, um, and so I'm going to run through the, the 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 history of it really briefly, and then we'll, we're going to talk about the environmental impact uh, and, and sort of in tandem of of what Eric's been talking about. Uh, so in 1874, DDT is first synthesized in a laboratory, but its potential as an insecticide is not initially recognized. Then we fast forward to 1939 when Swiss chemist Paul Mueller rediscovers DDT and investigates its insecticidal properties. Uh, now, again, now we fast forward a little bit more to World War II. DDT is used extensively to control typhus and malaria among troops, which saved countless lives. Uh, it really did. Um, now, and then in 1948, Mueller, the Swiss chemist, uh, uh, receives the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his work on DDT. Uh, at which point, <laughs> we're talking post-war now, uh, DDT becomes the most widely used insecticide worldwide, praised for its effectiveness against a variety of agricultural pests and its relatively low cost. Now, <laughs> anybody that's not watching on YouTube, Eric is like hard rolling his eyes so so bad that he had to move his entire head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the eradication of malaria, though. Okay, this is where I'm talking about that double-edged sword. Um, DDT played a crucial role in the global malaria eradication program, significantly reducing malaria transmission and mortality rates in many regions. Um, but then we we start to see you guys. There is. They yeah. also found. There are also the the recently they're finding that that the use of things like mosquito nets just using mosquito nets while sleeping uh reduces the uh contraction oh, of malaria malaria right, but, without even the use of chemicals but but continue. yeah well humans will always take the easiest way right yes, um, absolutely, yes so absolutely and then we see, we we start to uh and the most chemically way, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so now we start to have like real, real concerns in the sixties, um, about, uh, its environmental impact. Uh, 1962, Rachel Carson's book, silent spring exposes the harmful environmental effects of DDT, including its bioaccumulation. And uh, we're going to talk about bioaccumulation, uh, a little bit more, but essentially what that means is DDT gets onto an insect and then a rodent eats 20 insects that are coated in DDT. And then a bird eats 10 rodents that are contain DDT and it just, it never goes away and it becomes uh, stronger and stronger in animals as well as in soil, rivers, 
everything. It does not go away. Um, and we talked about this in our plastics episode, things that just do not go away. Uh, yep, forever, forever, forever chemicals. Yes. So, uh, so bioaccumulation in food chains and its impact on wildlife pop- populations, which was particularly birds of prey. I know there was problems in the Northeast in our region of Vermont and New Hampshire with bald eagles, um, mm-hmm. which are thankfully recovering. And I guess you can go to our uh, recent episode about birds. We'll talk about that. Um, 1972, uh, the United States bans most uses of DDT domestically, although agricultural uh, although agricultural use continues in some other countries. Uh, and then one more leap in time to 1979, the Stockholm Convention on Persistent Organic Pollutants list uh, lists DDT as a banned substance, further restricting its use globally. So this is also a, sort of a victory story, uh, but we're still living with DDT. And, you know, despite the ban DDT remains a persistent environmental contaminant. Like Eric said, forever chemicals. Some argue that DDT should be allowed for use in specific situations uh, for malaria control. But again, to Eric's point, studies show that much simpler preventative measures go just as far, if not farther. Um, And, and others, you know, and I, Eric and I both agreed that, uh, you know, the risks associated with DDT outweigh any potential benefits uh, and that alternative methods should be used for pest control. Yeah, like uh, we, we talk have, about this all yeah, the time. Yeah, but we have no idea how, like, the biggest uh, thing about the uh, our current extinction is, is due to insect populations that we lost due to DDT and we killed off because just because like, hey they're pests uh, we yeah. have no idea like how many species have actually been lost at, in the insect kingdom due to the use of DDTs yeah um, and before we we get too far off I just want to hit three different points here. Persistence of DDT. It is highly resistant to breakdown in the environment. I know I just said it, but I want to say this over and over again here. Bioaccumulation. It readily accumulates in the fatty tissue of living organisms, increasing in concentration uh, as it moves up the food chain through a process known as bioaccumulation. can lead to harmful levels of DDT in top predators such as birds of prey and fish, uh, causing reproductive problems, eggshell thinning, and population declines. It also causes disruption to the endocrine system. DDT is a, it's an endocrine disruptor, meaning it can interfere with the normal functioning of hormones in animals. This can lead to a variety of health problems, uh, developmental abnormal abnormalities and immune suppression um it is it is nasty nasty stuff and you can go to youtube and see videos of it being sprayed over suburban landscapes uh because people were so excited about this um but yeah so eggshell thinning that's a huge one because then you're you know your your precious birds they're not protected uh when they're when they're at their most vulnerable Mm -hmm. um ddt kills fish uh, and um, and again, what Eric said, it can kill insects that are beneficial to us. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah, it kind of goes back to our 
people should listen to our lawn episodes because this yeah. ties into that stuff because like back in back in this this boom in suburbia uh was to have lawns not have trees and no bugs no insects yeah yeah well and and we're talking about integrated pest management so, you know i don't think we used that term at the time i learned that term uh while pulling this together today which uh it, basically the approach combines different pest control methods uh including biological control cultural practices and selective pesticides to minimize the use of harmful chemicals um and uh you can use pheromones you can you you know we those are on the shelf at Home Depot and Ace Hardware. Uh, your your traps, your, your yellow jacket traps, things like that. They use pheromones and and, and things like that to simulate it. And boy, oh boy, do the, everybody wants to hump. So yeah, um, yeah same thing with like your your potato beetle traps and, mm -hmm. and but we also we've already talked about this over the summer in our garden stuff of like yeah, there's also plants you can plant. Yep. That naturally are repellents for certain certain pest pest insects. Yeah, well, and you and I just received our favorite seed catalog in the mail, yes. and I'm I, this is already part of our conversation uh, in December, uh, months and months before we're going to plant the plant the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, is what else can we do to prevent these these bugs without using chemicals? Uh, yeah, so you know, nifty looking melons in that uh, catalog this year. Yes, there are some very interesting melons, and we're gonna we'll, we'll talk garden planting this this spring. I think that's that's always a fun episode for both of us. So, yes, um, yes, DDT. It's it's nasty, nasty stuff. But there's so many ways to to just not use it, yeah. um, and, and and thankfully it has been mostly eradicated. But it is easy and cheap to produce, and we have no guarantees that certain areas of the world previously discussed are not using things like this. Yep. So, you know, malaria is bad. I completely agree. Zika is bad, but there are alternatives to yep. using, uh, per, you know, forever chemicals. Uh, so that is it. That is uh, CFCs and DDT. Yep. Um, we did don't you want, have we don't want to talk about uh, Bill Gates, what Bill Gates is doing with the mosquitoes to help. Uh, I did not. Malaria and Zika. Yeah, he's ge genetically modifying male mosquitoes. Um, I I, w I wish I did take done some notes on it because it's actually really people are freaking out about it because it's genetically modified mosquitoes and they're like, oh my god, Bill Gates genetically modified mosquitoes. Yeah. He's trying to control the population. And it's like, no, he's trying to stop disease in third world countries that you guys don't want to help. So, but yeah. We did, we don't have notes on that, so we won't go go into yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to misspeak on any of that. Um, exactly. But, uh, but we can always talk about mosquitoes at another time. Uh, there's yes. a lot of really interesting things about it. There there are new migration patterns uh, from uh, climate change, things like that. Yep. The uh, different where they're being found. The different species of mosquitoes, because that's one thing people mistake is that there's just there's so many different varieties. Like when I was down in Texas, we had. There was like three varieties that were really common, and one was these little black ones, and those are the ones that they, they when they bite you, they they look like kind of like little little tiny zebras, and they, yeah. they, those left the worst welts. And yep. like there's uh, there's brown ones that they weren't as bad, they didn't lay as but as bad as the welt, they'll hurt hurt, but we can go into that later. 
Yeah, we'll we'll add it to our list. Of, there's no end of things that you can talk about when you're talking about the environment. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so seed catalogs came. That was really fun. I, we're, we're both starting to talk about a lot of that stuff. Yeah, um, so experimenting that, yes, talking about the with, homestead and such yeah. and all the goodies. Yeah, uh, so we both really like Baker's Creek, uh, despite their owner being a little creepy. Um, but uh, yep. it's... You know, it is the best seeds. So you know, yeah, and they uh, get—they are heirloom seeds. They are—they hit all the different uni- the universities, heirloom growers, and others yeah. are always obtaining new things. I thought it was really cool that they've got that. What is the night the the fifteen year fifteen hundred year old cave bean? Yeah. Yeah, there's some really wild stuff in there, and yes. I'm really looking forward to garden planting so, this year. Uh, Marco told me uh, my my salsa goals for this year. Uh, granted, my salsa goals fit goals failed last year, but this year are to create a a rainbow of salsas. Oh, that is pretty cool those, idea. Yeah, they have the red. They have nice red ones. They've got those gorgeous orange ones. They've got the the straight yellow ones, and then the the their 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 cover vegetable of those the purple galaxies. Oh yes, that is really well. They did. They really stepped it up in photography this year, I think, especially in those damn melons. Um, yes. So we're we're thinking about dipping our toes back into melons. Uh, we had an infestation of cucumber beetles. Hey, and here you go. We had an infestation of cucumber beetles, which were going after our squash and melons and guess what we just stopped planting those for for three years and now we're going to go back in and try it again instead of using chemicals instead of doing anything like that we identified their target and we took it away yep so they moved on and uh we're hopeful that that will continue um and if i you know every couple of years i don't grow melons i'm okay with that um melons are they're 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 challenging to do well they're easy yes. to grow, but challenging to do well. Yes. Uh, I, I, I've told you our little trick that we do, right? I mean, it's not our trick. It's, it's, but we went and bought a case of the cheapest tiles, the cheapest 12 by 12 tiles uh, that we could get, and we lay the melons on the, the tiles. And we seem to always get sweeter melons. Uh, you know, you'll see people with plates in their garden and stuff that they pick up at garage sales and things. That's what it's for. Yeah. So we just use plain white tiles um but yeah there's lots of really cool stuff it's the dead of winter uh i do want to talk a little bit about the next two weeks of the show uh and then what we're going to be doing when we are back uh in january uh so oh and meg just fired up the compressor (laughs) she's building things again Um, so the next two weeks we have pre-recorded episodes we're taking the rest of the month of december off uh to you know spend do our pagan celebrations in our own ways with our own families and uh (laughs) um and uh so we have a uh, episode about fish uh coming out and an episode about trees uh both both really easy listening really fun informative uh episodes uh so we won't really you won't be hearing anything about the website or anything like that yeah, so yeah, uh, or dates not, not as much current stuff well you do plug you do plug the website in the in there because that's something that oh did i okay i'm pretty sure you did because i i, I hey. re- the, if you're listening now go to the website buy, buy a broom 
<laughs> Buy a broom, broken shovel, it's zero two.com. Fast shipping for last minute gifts, and you can get gift cards there now, too. Mm. Uh, so, um, so yes, Fish and Trees will be coming out over the next two weeks. Uh, and then we're coming back in January with a really fun gear-long project, I think. Uh, we, we received an email very critical of our amounts of waste, uh, justifiably so. And we are going to start uh, in January talking about waste and waste around the world and pledging to every month uh, talk about what we are doing at home to reduce waste. And uh, we're going to do this for the year and see where we go and, and sort of chart our progress uh, as a sort of New Year's resolution to reduce waste in our own homes. Uh, yes, so, and I will you know. also be holding our – Jess, I'm, you're, you are part of this challenge as well because you brought it up. You get to play. The, you get to play the game. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say is I really would like to have people participate in this with us. Um, you know, not only for your own good and your own benefit, but for the, the world's benefit. Uh, so I think this is going to be a, a really interesting year. Uh, you know, uh, we've got a lot going on. And to highlight it with reducing waste uh, at home to, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, maybe I can get some sort of initiative started in my town now that I'm getting more involved in some things here. Um, but yes, uh, I think uh, this is going to be a great year coming up and we look forward to being back. Uh, what date does that have us back? We will be back on January 2nd uh, with, uh, with fresh episodes. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, keep on listening. There's still episodes. Um, you have anything going on at home? Uh, nope. you're just, I mean, you're struggling it, with equipment, right? Yeah. Snowblower, snowblower work. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm trying to not struggle so much that I go get a new snowblower. I want to fix, I want to fix it, but yeah, well, yeah, that's, that is a, a way of, of reducing waste, right? Uh, yes. fix it. Yes. And that's, fix that, it. that is one of the big things. Yeah. Getting these, I have two snowblowers. I'm probably going to start stripping one to see if I can cannibalize any pieces off of it. Right. Uh, before I go out and buy some pieces that I need to replace. Um, and yeah, we have, we have a, a storm incoming that is, everyone's getting ready for. Um, I do want to bring up that we should actually mention that uh, we in, in one of the last episodes we, we had, we talked, we kind of glazed over how much we do for uh, storm preparedness and things that yeah. people do. Um, we've gotten lucky, at least at my house, that the outage, power outages haven't last longer than 24 hours. So mm -hmm. I I don't go as far as so, some people do, um, is like filling up the bathtub with water. Uh, yes. that way you can, it can, you can scoop right from that to be able to flush your toilet and such. Um, but we also do a lot of stuff, uh, to prepare for the winter that prepares us for power outages just in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's such a long list. Sometimes it's hard to get through it, but you know, getting wood chopped, wood stacked. I mean, I'm restacking wood today in a different location in anticipation for a storm. I'm going to double yeah. the amount of wood I have inside of the house, you know, and, and it's always this sort of race. Uh, and and it takes a lot of work and a lot of teamwork to get it done, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know preparing for something like that, you know, is a challenge, and we try very hard to to pepper that stuff in, but it's also you know I, I was thinking about it while I was stacking wood today, and I'm glad you brought it up. 
how much of life on a homestead is constantly preparing. You kind of forget that you're constantly preparing for whatever the next thing is, you know? And, you know, when when I was asked what I wanted for my birthday this year by my in-laws, it was trees. I need trees. I need fruit. I need nuts. I need uh, all of these things. I need hazelnut bushes so I can make biodiesel, you know, things like that. And I didn't even really think about it as preparing, but it is, you know, asking for a a gift of trees is very much preparing. And, you know, so it's, you're always preparing. So I guess we kind of forget that sometimes. So. Yep. Yeah. That's all I wanted to bring up because we were. We were very thoroughly reprimanded for glossing <laughs> over what yeah. we what what we do, and it's just it's kind of like yeah, we forget because there's just so much we do to, in general, be prepared for anything for any any time, and that's part of what having the homestead is is that we're prepared that to go without certain things. Uh, in case things go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I have, you know, I'm going to have a house full of Californians in about a week. And uh, I have to prepare for them uh, to not only visit, I, I look forward to their visits, but what if something happens with three people that aren't used to this and they're staying on the side of the house that is entirely electric heated? You know, what are we going to do? What's the plan? You know, that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it, it you're always preparing. Hey, hey, rude, rude. Cat. Yep, cat. Yeah, those right. watching on YouTube, Goku wants to be on camera. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, we've. I mean, we're currently coming off. We're going into our third Monday storm in a row. Yes. Yeah. And, hopefully, seems to and be... this one sounds like the worst one yet. Well, and it really depends on which model you're looking at. So we're exactly, going to see. Exactly. Yes. because so, I mean, this did uh, do this storm did do a lot of damage down in Tennessee. They. Uh, oh yeah, there's. I, uh, it's, I believe at least six people have yep, lost their six, lives so far. So far, so far, uh, multiple tornado warnings, and this is what the front. This front is what's about to hit us. But being on the uh, eastern side of the Green Mountains, uh, and and we're in a like. I love the spot that we're in because we're basically in this sheltered valley between the Green Mountains and the White Mountains. Yeah. Where it's either going to be terrible or not so bad. Yep, because uh, I mean, that's what happened. Uh, the, the, the hurricane that hit us back, uh, the, 50, the 50 hurricane or the 62040 hurricane. I don't remember. One of those old hurricanes, the reason it was so devastating is it the track of the storm went right into the delta of the Connecticut River Valley and then yeah. just sucked right up the valley and just devastated the region. Yeah. Now, weather's a wild one. Uh, <laughs> so. Yes, it is. But yeah, so uh, I guess uh, happy holidays to our listeners. We'll be back January 2nd. Uh, you can always check out... Uh, you know, if you're telling a friend, we're available on all of the podcast platforms. Uh, if you would like to check out Brooms and support Broken Shovel, uh, you can go to BrokenShovel802.com. Uh, through December 25th, there's a discount code on all Hearth Brooms, 15% off, if you use the code Hearth at checkout. Uh, and if you can't remember that, it's in the episode description. Uh, looking forward to coming back, reducing our waste, and uh, really getting this stuff 
uh, getting our lives uh, prepared for more stuff. <laughs> no, I'm going to go stack more wood before the storm starts. Yes, I'm going to go try to get – I'm going to go try to source the parts that I need for my my snowboarder run again. But depending on what model you look at, we might not get any snow whatsoever, but other models are saying that we're going to get 6 to 12 inches. So Right. So it's better to be prepared. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Eric, hopefully we'll get together this week or uh, next week and uh, we can plan out how we're going to do our waste challenge. Absolutely. Yes. We have, we, well, we have lunch while the, uh, while the family's, while your family's visiting at some point. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Bad tacos. Uh, <laughs> all right. I will, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Woohoo.